Make more birdies. A bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. This is not a tip. This is a prescription. Trust me. Mm. If you don't, you will fall out of balance. Welcome to Birdies and Bourbon. Sit down and have a sip. Welcome back, everybody, to the Birdies and Bourbon Show. We're excited to have Jim Huntoon on with us today. So, you know, Jim, I want to say the superintendent of the Heritage Club, but I've been following you on Instagram, and it looks like you may be uh, exploring a profession as a plumber. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) That comes with the territory, unfortunately, (laughs) Cal. Yeah, we had, uh, thanks so much for having us, uh, having us out maybe, uh, probably a couple of months ago now, I guess. Um, uh, I often say Myrtle Beach, but uh, the Heritage Club is actually on Polly's Island. Correct. And if, uh, for the listeners out there, if you haven't had a chance to play or if you get to the Myrtle Beach area, uh, the Heritage Club is a must. Uh, I won't steal any of your thunder, Jim, but uh, course was in fantastic shape when we played it. Uh, Did did learn some new things uh, about... the role of a superintendent. Well, I, I guess just in golf courses in general, you guys do a few things there that are that are unique that uh, that some other courses probably do in uh, you know certain times of the year. So we'll probably get into that a little bit. But um, uh, yeah, you want to tell us a little about Jim, man? Yeah, like you said, I'm golf course superintendent at the Heritage Club here in Pauley's Island. Been there for ten years. Um, before that, I was assistant superintendent right next door at Caledonia for 10 years. So um, for the past 20 years, I've been maintaining those two golf courses and um, really enjoy it. Love living in Polly's Island, and it's a good place to be. Nice. Yeah, and, and two uh, two fantastic golf courses. So as Jim mentioned, uh, just I mean, literally right across the street from uh, from Caledonia. So and if you haven't played Heritage Club, if you you know, the best way I would describe it, Jim, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but if you took Caledonia and True Blue and and mashed them together, uh, you kind of wind up with a Heritage Club experience. Is that a, is that a fair? Uh... Yeah, I think so. I, I think, I mean, first off, you know, Heritage Club, True Blue, Caledonia makes for a great three-course package, you know, to play those three um, a lot of similarities, but a lot of variety and a lot of just fun golf. But uh, yeah, you know, Heritage Club is the oldest of the three. It was the first one built and uh, followed by Caledonia and then True Blue. But uh, yeah, they definitely all kind of have the same vibe. And um, I, I've never heard anybody say that, Cal, until you said it. But the more I think about it, it does make sense. Don't know. We're not going to give them that kind of credit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if we get it over with now, we won't have to worry about it for the rest of the show. Um, so, yeah. So, again, we, we had a fantastic time. You got a really cool, uh, for those, uh, if anybody's watching on the visual, I did keep the scorecard. So, you got a really uh, cool kind of uh, uh, clubhouse. You know, it's kind of that got that old plantation feel, you know, like the area does in itself. Uh, but, yeah, just a, a really, really great experience. I think it was on number... We started on 10, so it would have been on number 18. We saw, uh, we had a chance to see Biggin. And yeah. and man, is Biggin a Biggin. So uh, yeah, go check out our uh, Instagram page. And hell, there's an alligator I, at 20 feet long, <laughs> at least. I don't know, it's big. <laughs> That's a little hyperbolic, Cal. That's a little <laughs> hyperbolic, probably, yeah. That one is a good 10 footer, probably maybe 11. Um, but we do have a lot of gators, wow. uh, our proximity to the Waccamaw river and the old rice fields from the plantation days are the perfect habitat. And, um, we do have quite a few, um, and well, I live in the city of Atlanta and I don't have any gators around me, except I got a few friends that went to Florida other, other than that. And they're nowhere near that big. So to me, a 10 foot alligator looks definitely looks like a 20 foot alligator. I mean, it's to the point that, and, you know, and, and if you're familiar, it's not a show about alligators, but, um, <laughs> but like we're driving by and we're like, you know, holy crap, look at that thing over there. I mean, and it looks almost like it's not even real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and we kind of eased over, not too close. <laughs> Social distancing for sure at its best. But uh, no, it we we realized it was real, and uh, we we got the heck out of there. So, mm. uh, which at eighteen is a fantastic hole too, by the way. I mean that place is uh, yeah, it's a cool finishing hole. It is reachable <laughs> par five. Um, got to got to be able to hit a 
right to left tee shot to put it in position. And then um, from there, uh, you make the decision whether to go for it or lay up. And it's a kind of a, I guess you call it a peninsula green. Yep. A couple different levels on it. And yeah, it's a fun hole for sure. It's um, a great finishing hole because, you know, birdies can be had, eagles, but, you know, doubles are right around the corner as well. Yeah, I, I uh, my second shot, of course, I went for it. We were only playing it that one day, so uh, I couldn't resist. And it, I had a reasonable chance to get there. I kind of peeled off to the right and uh, baptized one. So made, made a don- another donation to uh, to the club there. But uh, but but still, you know, didn't uh, didn't deter us from a good time. That that's for sure. Yeah, great great place. So what's uh, what's going on at the Heritage Club, man? You guys have got uh, quite a bit of. Is this routine maintenance y'all are doing, or is it uh, upgrades, or what's happening? Yeah, we're um, have been doing some projects, some irrigation projects lately, like you mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, some of those are upgrades. Some of those are just um, fixing perennial and persistent problems that um, need to be addressed, and you know, just kind of. Um, I don't know how to explain it other than these things kind of sometimes they happen in bunches and then you don't deal with it for a while, but sometimes, you know, you, like I said, they happen in bunches and that's kind of what we've been dealing with. Some of it was scheduled. Some of it's just stuff breaking and that's just, yeah. Well, I'm sure of course ages, it gets, it gets more and more stuff breaks. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm sure uh, you guys are, are much like everyone else in the golf world. Uh, you probably haven't had a lot of time to do things uh, in 2020, just with the amount of play and stuff that you guys have had. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's our play has not been any different really Cal. If anything, it's been slightly less, you know, um, when you hear about the golf industry and what's happened with COVID and the pandemic, you know, you hear the golf rounds are up and they are in a, on a lot of um, facilities, but there's a lot of facilities that they're not. And, you know, certain each sector of the golf course business has been affected a little bit differently by the pandemic, you know, um, public golf, municipal golf, that kind of stuff has really thrived because they've had more play. They've, increased revenue and probably introduced some new people to the game. And, you know, the private side of the business has had more rounds, but um, probably generated less revenue because they can't do outings. They can't do clubhouse events. So, you know, financially the net gain to those has probably been um, underachieving compared to normal. And then the resort side of the business, like I'm in, has probably been hit the hardest Mm. and, uh, particularly in the Southeast, anywhere that relies on um, Northern play or package play or out of town play was really hurt by the pandemic big time because March, April, May, that's our prime season, you know, and we make a, a lot more than three months worth of revenue during those months. It's considerably more. And the way the pandemic hit, it uh, really hurt that. So, um, it's been for us, I'd say it's been about a, it's obviously not been a great year, but it hasn't been terrible either. And, um, in some ways, um, it's been as far as my personal or my personal, my golf course, my crew, it's been, um, overall a more productive year than normal, but not so much because play was down just because particular opportunities that came our way. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that was an earful for you guys, right? No, there, no, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I, I mean, I think that you were sharing. I don't. I forget the amount of rounds you said that you guys typically have. Uh, you know, in 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 a in a regular year, if that's a yep. fair statement. But I, I think uh, quite a few rounds compared to some of the other courses uh, around the area, right? Yeah, we're busy. Yeah, we're yeah. very busy, and um, that's a good thing. You know, our golf course is we have a lot of members. Um, we get a lot of member play. We have a lot of local play. We get a lot of, um, in Myrtle beach area, there's a lot of large groups is what we call them, or just different groups of golfers that play every Wednesday somewhere and rotate around. Some of these groups can be 12, 16 players, or some of them can be 80 to a hundred. Um, we get a lot of that type of play and, um, it's, uh, you know, it's never a dull moment around there as far as that goes. Um, 
I mean, today we probably, even in the, even December, beginning of December, even tends to be a busy time, but uh, people love to come play the golf course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, once you've played it, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely easy to see why again, great condition, great layout. Um, that's uh, not, nothing, nothing negative uh, other than my game that day could have been better, <laughs> but that, that's most every day. So that, that's nothing to do with the golf course. So, um, so uh, let's, uh, let me dig back into, uh, into the Jim Antoon history books. Yeah. Um, so you were at Calad, you started your career at Caledonia. Correct. Uh, yeah, pretty much down here in Myrtle Beach. I worked at a golf course in Ames, Iowa, um, before I moved down here to Myrtle Beach to go to school. So that was really my true start in golf course maintenance. But for the most part, yes, Caledonia is where I got my start. So 20 years ago, I mean, that's the course is probably just opening then, right? Yeah, I would have started in August of 99 and the course opened in 94. So it was about five okay. years old at the time. Yeah. Um, and um yeah so it's 26 years old now though so yeah do you spend a lot of time with uh with strands a lot of time no but enough time yeah um i uh yeah i'll never forget the first time that i saw him in the flesh at true blue kind of was over there just playing golf and he was there playing and just kind of came around the corner and and he was there and um you know he was a tall man he was you know had a really striking um aura to him yeah. <laughs> to say that uh to put it mildly and um that was the first time i met him that was the first time i talked to him but uh yeah i actually got to interact with him mostly at bulls bay um <laughs> golf club because he was building bulls bay in 2000 2001 and that's kind of when i was in school and a good friend of mine that i went to school with started working at bulls bay so i was around um, down there a good bit. And that, I interacted with him more there than I ever did at Caledonian True Blue because the majority of the time that I was at Caledonian True Blue, Mike wasn't doing any work there anymore. Well, the course was built, right? So, I mean, he's, it was he's done. done and, yeah. you know, the original design of True Blue was changed early on considerably. Many holes were changed. They were softened to make them a little bit more playable. Um, when it first opened, it was, you know, a little extreme in spots. It was difficult. It was really cool. Some of the changes um, are, some are good. Some I've liked it the old way, but, um, you know, I think there was a little bit of animosity from Mike about some of that stuff. So he wasn't really involved with any changes or any tweaking or anything that was going on because that's one thing about a golf course is it's a living growing thing and it's always changing and even though it's done it's not really done you're always you know most golf courses change considerably from when they're built and open to you know the longer they go the more things get changed sure yeah what did you go to coastal carolina no i went to ori georgetown technical college okay. which is right gotcha. next to um coastal carolina yeah. It's a technical school, two-year school. I recently I actually graduated from Iowa State with a different degree, community and regional planning, and decided real quick that I didn't want to do that. I uh, wanted to get in the golf business and wanted to go to a two-year school because I'd just gotten a bachelor's and you know just wanted to do two years and get in and out and get done. And my wife and I at the time were living in Ames, Iowa. We both just graduated and um you know, moving to Myrtle Beach didn't sound like a bad idea at the time. I was 24. So Comparatively speaking, yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, that's probably that's what I did. And um, at the time, my wife, who was my fiance then, um, had just gotten a job working on the PGA Tour account. Oh, nice. Yep. So she was she did child care for the players' children for two years, huh. which was a really interesting gig. And um, met a lot of cool people through that and was able to go to a lot of tournaments and see a lot of golf courses. That was a real formative time for sure. Who you got any, uh, you got any fun stories that, uh, that you can share of, uh, anybody you met that left, left an impression. She's the one that met everybody. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I really didn't get to meet very many people, uh, per se, but, um, she did, you know, I passed Tiger Woods in the hallway at a hotel one time, um, <laughs> but, um, 
you know, she took care. She was some of the kids that were in the childcare at the time, you know, it was like Ernie L's kids, Bill Mickelson's kids, um, Hal Sutton. Um, she was close with the Parnovics, triplets, just different yeah, sure. people. And, um, but anybody that had the kids at that time, you know, she was, she probably met them. And, um, you know, at the time, Tiger's ex-wife, Ellen Elin was, uh, the Parnovic's nanny, so she knew her really yeah. well, long before her and Tiger ever got together. Yeah, wow. Yeah, interesting. Um, but yeah, so, but for me, it was going to a lot of golf tournaments and just being able to... We had access. It's like, I don't, why do yeah. I want to go fool around with these people when I can go right. actually watch golf and see the golf course? And <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, that's the kind of golf spectating that I like to do just by myself and just, you know look at what you want to look at. And yeah, so that was really cool. I got to go to some majors and tour championship over there at East Lake, not too far from UCAL. And yeah, uh, great place. So, um, <laughs> me and my buddy harassed Bush Harmon one day at the, um, <laughs> at the, uh, tour championship, just started talking to him, asking him all kinds of questions. So that was fun. Did he so, respond yeah. back? No. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, you okay. know, you know, one-on-one or two-on-one right there. We just saw him out there walking and walked a few holes with him and just asked him a bunch of questions. He was gracious. Yeah. Well, it was fine. That's, yeah, that's cool. gotta be, a, it's gotta be a fun time. Yeah, it was. So, um, but yeah, that's how I got down to Myrtle beach and been here since I did an internship at Pinehurst, uh, while I was working at Caledonia. So spent four months up there, played a lot of golf that summer. It was a bet. I was well, you, you got plenty of options. That's for sure. Yeah. And I was expecting to be working, you know, 60 hours a week or more. And because of budget cuts, I only worked 40. So got off at three o'clock every day and played golf a lot. Yeah. Nice. Have you played uh, tobacco road? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've played every strands course on the East coast. Oh, have you? So, oh, awesome. I mean, I've probably, I was talking to somebody the other day. I mean, I've, you know, Caledonian True Blue, I've probably played them a hundred times each. Yeah. You know, just over the years. And yeah, played Royal New Kent, Stonehouse. I've played them all. The only one I've only played once is Stonehouse. All the other ones I've played numerous times. But I love Tobacco Road. Um, I've played it um, many times over the years, I guess. So, um, and Morgan's a great guy, the superintendent up there. Mm-hmm. So. Morgan, yeah, he, he is a great guy. I think I'm trying to think if that's uh, maybe the salty golfer got us hooked up. I was trying to think if it was Morgan or salty, but I think it was salty that connected us. I believe <laughs> uh, he is salty. <laughs> he is salty. Yeah, no, but but Morgan is a great guy. So yeah, he was on the show with us uh, a few weeks ago. I think his episode just dropped today, yep. and, uh, and then we have Martha on. She'll be coming up in a couple weeks. So. Uh, yeah, great, great folks up they there. Are. Uh, not, not to take anything away from heritage by any means. Uh, but, but yeah, just, uh, talking about different golf experiences, but no, I love talking about other golf courses. We've, we beat the heritage horse down as we can talk about whatever one you want, man. Well, so, so let's go. So what's, uh, so if I'm coming to Myrtle beach, uh, obviously heritage club is a, is a must play. Um, but, and, and you've mentioned Caledonia. I don't know if that makes your list as a must play or not. Absolutely. Uh, Okay. And uh, what about true blue? Is that a must play or absolutely? All right. So, so there's our three packages on Polly's Island. Yep. So, so now I'm going to go spend some time, uh, a little farther North up the strand yep. maybe, or South. I don't know. Where do, where do, where are you sending somebody? Legends Heathland is a must in my mind. Um, I like to play Prestwick and Surfside beach. Um, Ooh, we got a chance to play that man. We, we had a really yeah. fun time there. The great golf course. Yep. I like that one. Um, I'm a big fan of, um, dunes club, which I'm fortunately going to be playing tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that. Nice. Um, you know, uh, farmstead on the North end is a good one. Um, oyster Bay. I'm a fan of that one. Um, river's edge on the North end. It's a good recommendation. Um, I know you guys played Tidewater, Cal. You enjoyed yep, that, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I played it a couple times now. So, uh, so yeah, really, Sean does a good job there with uh, yep. him and his folks. So, yeah, Tidewater's a great track. Yep. Surf Club's a good one. Um, if you can get on, it's private. Um, really, any of the private ones are, are good. Um, 
watch a saw plantation. I'm a big fan of that one. Um, love playing there. Uh, played Grand Dunes members course recently. That was in good shape. That one's fun. Um, so yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot of variety here in Myrtle beach as yeah. far as golf courses and, um, really have, uh, a little bit of everything for everybody. So it sounds like you're playing a lot of golf, man. I, I talked to, we talked to a lot of folks, not in a bad way, but we talked to a lot of folks and it's like, Hey, are you playing much? And it's like, eh, not really. And, and, and I don't know, it's probably a couple of facets, right? One is like, eh, I'm, I work on the golf course. I'll play with, you know, as needed, but I'm kind of, you know, stepping away from it maybe a little bit. And I'm sure there's family obligations and such, but it sounds like you're out quite a bit. Yeah. I enjoy, I enjoy golf. I'm, you know, I'm a golf nut. I'm, I love it. I, uh, I don't play as much in the summer, but in the cooler months of the year, I play more. Um, sure. but, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I do this for a living partially because I love the game and it's, um, something that, uh, I've always loved and always will. And I'm into a lot of different facets of the game too, playing, I love watching golf on TV, you know, following the tours, um, big fan of golf course design, architecture, you know, golf course maintenance, um, golf swings. I mean, you name it, Cal, I can talk so, about golf. Don't, don't let him back you into a corner, Jim. You, you got the passion for the sport. It's shows, and you play a lot. Trust me, we've done a lot of shows on this show here. I've never seen Cal doing without bourbon. <laughs> Noted. Noted. That, 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 well, that is true. Yeah, he's got to stay on brand, man. Come on. It, it, exactly. I mean, you don't want to let the show uh, slip off. I mean, I started out talking about alligators. People are probably like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Uh, so, what do you, so DJ, he's, uh, I guess I'll, I'll call you a hometown boy now, but DJ is yeah. a hometown guy. Excited to Absolutely. see uh, DJ win the Masters? Yeah, I'm a big DJ fan. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We, yep. we, both Dan and I were too, yeah, man. That's uh, kind of. I mean, overdue probably isn't the right term to use or, or the phrase to, you know, to sure that up. But, uh, you know, it's definitely put to bed any, uh, you know, is he in the Hall of Fame? Is he going to be the guy? I mean, you know, he just he, he definitely squashed that. And I think this he's got a great chance to be a back to back winner. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see. uh how he plays in April, but um, what did you guys think of the Masters in November? I, I thought it was great. I thought it was the Masters. I mean, I I would, uh, you know what? Dan and I were talking about this actually on the show, and you know, and and I don't, you know, clearly they don't need the money, right? And and they don't need the exposure per se. But, you know, it would be wouldn't it be interesting if they did some kind of a different tournament? Maybe it's the, you know, I, you know, you can't really say we'll take the second place guys and create a tournament for them because, you know, the Masters in its uniqueness. Right. I mean, you kind of lose some of that prestige, if you will. But I think there's some creative ways and, uh, you know, we, we won't spend a lot of time brainstorming about them. But I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, Augusta National hosting the Masters in April and then hosting something else in November. I, I think that you've got a hell of a nice golf course that people love to visit. They love to watch. You're going to get fans, you're, whether, whether they're in person or on TV. And and I saying it's a waste. I mean, that is not the right way to put it, but it, I think there's a huge opportunity for them to take advantage of something that is definitely going to be a draw. Yeah. I would say in some ways they're already doing that with the Augusta national uh, women's amateur that they've started. That's true. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and they're having that. And I mean, I think um, they've always been on the forefront of growing the game and, I think that tournament doing that for women's golf is, is huge because I think that is one portion of, of professional golf that um, is really moving forward right now. Um, yeah. the women's game, mm -hmm. you know, um, I find myself more and more interested in watching their tournaments, watching them play. I was able to go last year down to country club of Charleston for the women's open and nice walk around a whole day there and watch it up close. And, um, you know, the men's game has just gotten so, 
hard to relate to, you know, <laughs> with the way they hit the ball and the way that they play, you know, but uh, the women's game is more relatable and more. Yeah. From an amateur standpoint. And um, yeah. it's, uh, it's really cool. Cause they, you know, the, the, the tours, the LPGA and the USGA and all the different um, organizers that run their tournaments, the golf courses they play are really good. And a lot of them are, could never hold a men's major because they're not long enough. Right. But for the women's game, they're fascinating and it's cool golf courses and good golf and more realistic to what normal people play. You know. Yeah, I mean the LPGA U.S. Open's coming up and they're playing. I think in I think it's in Houston. It's in Texas. Yeah, they're playing Champions. Yeah, Champions, Champions yeah. Golf Club in Houston. You know, yeah. which is an old golf club, and I believe they had the 1969 U.S. Open there. Oh um, wow. But, um, yeah, cool place, and I'm really looking forward to that. I'll be watching it for sure. To, um, yeah, me too. Yeah, it's going to um, But, yeah, so I think to say, yeah, it would be cool. They're never going to host anything in November on purpose, though, because the Masters in April is well, you what, lose the number the, one. Yeah, the foliage and the azaleas. and the, but Yeah, I mean, and I, you have to understand, even with the limited field or, or the limited spectators they had, it's difficult to pull off a major five months apart like that, especially in the middle of the winter, you know, agronomically and golf course maintenance wise, it's tremendous challenges. So, and it'll be interesting to see in April, if you still see um, any evidence of the tournament in November, because I don't know, I'm not saying you will or you won't. I'm just saying it'd be interesting to see if you, if you do. I don't think we're going to get any scores like that in, in uh, April. That's for sure. No, no. <laughs> um, you know, I think a lot of the decisions that were made and a lot of the way the course played was more indicative of the time of year it was mm-hmm. and the stage of, of the preparation for the normal masters um, than it was, you know, what some people thought, you know, a lot of people talked about the rough, yep. you know, how it was much higher than, right. than normal and, uh, in my opinion, that was a more of a golf course maintenance slash agronomy decision than it was a competitions decision. Hmm. So, um, but I agree with what you said, Callie was still the masters. I enjoyed every minute oh, of yeah. it. I thought it was fascinating. Um, but I, the, I didn't miss the fans. I mean, I wasn't there. I was on TV, but I mean, I don't, I don't think that that distracted me at all. I mean, it probably distracted the golfers more than it did uh, somebody watching, but yeah, I, I don't have a single complaint that I can think. I mean, I, I'm just trying to reflect back and think, you know, was there ever a time that I'm like, oh, nah, well, it would have been better if it would have been in April. And I, I can't think of anything that really happened during the uh during the tournament where i'm like well boy uh, you can tell it's november or oh if it would have been in april it would have been better i I don't i don't think there were any takeaways no no i mean it it played softer that's all there is to it it played softer the fairways played softer the grains were considerably softer you know there was a lot of rain leading up to it and it was winter it was fall it was winter time short day you know short day length and lots of different um you know, climate and weather related issues that they were dealing with that they don't in April. They have it in April for a reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I tell you what I, I did enjoy the year to have it. Yeah. I, <laughs> what I did enjoy, I enjoyed, you know, waking up in the morning, grabbing a cup of coffee and, uh, you got, you got eight o'clock tea or seven forty-five oh, yeah. tea times, man. And you that, got golf all day long. That was awesome. And I agree with you. You know, coffee golf is great golf. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Absolutely. It works me right into the bourbon in the early <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> Kyle, calls right. it, Kyle calls it the breakfast bourbon. Yep. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. So, Jim, let's see. Let's talk about, so you mentioned you're involved in golf and other facets. Yeah. Um, so uh, you're affiliated with the, obviously you're a, a, a professional superintendent, but uh, you're probably a little more involved in, is it the South Carolina Superintendent Association? I may have butchered that Carolinas, up. Carolinas, both North and South Carolina together. The Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association, correct. Okay. Well, Shed, uh, yeah, tell, tell us a little about that. How are you involved and anything unique going on? there that uh that you're that you're into yeah i'm on the board of directors um so i've been nominated and elected by my peers to be on the board and serve the association that we have 1800 um superintendent and assistant superintendent um members plus vendors and 
academia support. It's a big organization and it's a real honor to serve on the board. And, um, you know, it's just a way to give back to your community and to your profession. And it's some work at times, but it's also very rewarding and giving back and the relationships that you can build and grow while you do it. So, but yeah, I'm involved with, um, with that. And, you know, every board member has certain things that they're part of and, um, Oh, excuse me. Thank you, my man. I had to order up a fresh beer. I hope you don't mind, Cal. Uh, hey, I just uh, I just refilled myself. So, uh, what what are you drinking, by the way? I'm having uh, I'm having smoke wagon bourbon. I, I think you said you weren't a big bourbon guy, right? Wrong. Okay. All right. Maybe I'm a, uh, I'm a bourbon. No. I'm, okay. Well, I'm this whiskey man. I'm this smoke man. wagon. Have you, yeah. uh, have you? I don't know if it's released. It just released uh, the first of December in Georgia. It's actually a uh, it's a Las Vegas distillery, okay. and it is. Uh, I just opened it up actually, but it is absolutely fantastic. It's uh, less than thirty bucks a bottle, and I would be if somebody didn't tell me how much it costs and I tasted it, I would expect to pay fifty or sixty. So if it's uh, if it's in South Carolina, give it a try. It's Smoke Wagon. I'll look out for that. No, I I love bourbon. I like rye. Um, mm. So. Um, but yeah, um, but tonight just some beers, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Perfect. Okay, cool. Old oh, school, you know, traditional. Well, we, yeah, we got a recording coming up with a brand uh, with a, a label. It's called uh, Sagamore Spirit. They're based out of Baltimore, Maryland, and I think I hope I get this right. But it, they did a um, they did a beer finished bourbon, and I think they use Sierra Nevada uh, Sierra Nevada barrels for that. Uh, yep. I'll look and see. I'll send you a note. And I'll, I'll figure out which one it is. But uh, but it's all rye based, and I didn't know this, but I guess uh, I know it now. Uh, but Maryland is one of the original rye producers. I mean, given like the colonial days, you know, yep. and such, and, yep. and it you know kind of moved. You know, people were left there, and they moved to Kentucky. Hence, you know, Kentucky kind of got its start. But I mean, that's where everything was kind of kicking off. And it's uh, yeah, the Maryland style rye. So hmm. I'll send I'll, I'll send you over some samples of the Sagamore. Give them a try and see uh, see what you think. Yeah, I mean, I'm you know I'm pretty much stick to beer. My quota is two point five beers per night. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, you know, I got to ask, how do you get the point five? Well, the point five is a combination of things. You know, some nights it might just be two, right? Some nights it might be three. All right. So it's the average, the average. And some nights it might truly be two and a half. And the, the rest of what's left of that half, if I start eating dinner, it's done. I'll just pour it out to the homies that ain't with us anymore, Cal. Yeah, mm -hmm. understood. Mm -hmm. Understood. Mm -hmm. I, I can appreciate that. For yeah. Sure. Well, I mean, so that's pretty much my quota. But, you know, um, usually have some whiskey. Uh, on the weekends, um, my Iowa state cyclones had a huge victory this weekend against nice. the West Virginia Mountaineers and oh. my wife and I watched the game and got to the point in the second half where, um, we had a glass of whiskey out and T time to celebrate. Well, every time they did something good, you know, it's like drank. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. I, I, I know that game. I call that yeah. the game of life. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, but, uh, yeah, but no, I do like whiskey for sure. Yep. Yeah. So, and so you, uh, you guys also have a podcast, right? Correct. It's correct. Yeah. What's, uh, we share, share that with us. Pulling Weeds is the name of our podcast. Um, it's a production of our organization, and um, it's mostly geared towards professionals in the golf course or turf management business. But um, we have several different series. We have a series which is just interviews with superintendents, and then we have another series that's um, vendors and um, academia. And then we have a third series called the Pro Series, which is more – um, I would think would be more interesting to the general public where we interview pros, um, from now and past years that are affiliated or from the Carolinas. Oh, cool. So, and I'm not, um, it's to say it's my podcast is a stretch. It's, <laughs> it's, I'm not on the podcast. Um, I'm on it every once in a while to fill in or do some, do some different things, but, um, uh, wait until they hear this, man. Your, your calendar's <laughs> filling up. They, uh, and I'm, you know, more on the back end, some with some of the decisions and sure. Uh, 
But it's yeah. through it's through the superintendent, the Carolina Superintendent Association is the correct. Yeah, correct. Gotcha. Right, right, right here. Yeah, pulling oh, weeds. There we go. Yeah, pulling pull the weeds. Check them out. Yeah, I, I listened to a few. Good, good stuff. Um, yeah. You know, again, yeah. some of it kind of got a little uh, over my head, which is easy to do. But you know, it's uh, it, it's some of the stuff that I kind of found interesting, and maybe a, a good spinoff for us here is, you know, it's. Um, some of the unique things that you may not know about a golf course or, or things that are happening, which, you know, you shared when we were, uh, when you came out and met us on the course, yeah. uh, that you guys don't overseed at heritage. Right. And, you know, I, I think at least, so I'm in Atlanta and, you know, I, I can't name a course in Atlanta that doesn't overseed. I'm sure they're here. Uh, everything that I typically play, uh, they, they're definitely overseeding, but, uh, not to get too, uh, to superintendent nerdy, but what's the, what's the play? Because, and I did talk with a few other folks in the, the Myrtle beach area that don't do that. Talk to Morgan. Uh, I think Morgan said they made the decision a few years ago. They don't oversee it anymore. So yeah. it kind of seems like that's a, a trend and it may sound like it's a monetary trend or, or a monetary decision up front, but then there's seems like there's a lot of benefits that kind of come from that, that, that initial decision. Correct. It, it, um, it's not really a monetary decision at heritage club. Mm -hmm. Um, it's probably not a monetary decision at tobacco road. No, he said it wasn't. Yeah. Right. It's a, um, it's a playability issue. It's a, um, sustainability initiative. It's a, um, something that, um, caters more to the majority of the golfers at the facility. So, um, it's basically, um, long-term, um, there are savings long-term, but, uh, it's not like those savings are going into the owner's pocket or just going away. They're going into other areas of the golf course. Sure. Do you need to redo the sand traps? Are you buying new equipment? Are you buying it? Right. I mean, that's kind of, well, you mentioned the equipment. Here's the perfect example. You know, turf grass equipment is very expensive. All right. You know, greens mowers now are routinely 40 to $50,000 fairway and rough mowers are 75, 80, $90,000. Mm. And, um, you know, if you overseed you're mowing all winter yeah. and you're paying for fuel, you're putting hours on the mowers, you know, just like your truck or car has mm -hmm. miles, you know, we go by hours on the machines and, you know, and they don't last as long when they have more hours. And, uh, you know, it's a water savings thing, you know, it's a, like I said, it's a playability thing. Um, sure. is there a period of time when you're not going to be as good as courses that overseed? Yes. Is there also a period of time that you're going to be superior to golf courses that don't, that do overseed? Yes. It's more about hmm. when do you want that period to be and how do you want to run your facility? And, um, you know, it's just a different way of doing things. Most private golf courses do not overseed in Atlanta, Myrtle beach in the Southeast. Some do, but most don't. Um, you know, public golf courses, resort courses that are relying on play from up north do because people come down and they want to see green grass. Mm -hmm. yeah, but, um, you know, it's just a decision that we make. And um, I wouldn't rule out heritage overseeding down the road either. You just never know. Um, mm -hmm. But for right now, it's what we've gone with and been successful with. And um, it's a little bit against the grain in the Myrtle Beach area. But, um, so be it. Well, yeah, I mean, it makes for a, a unique experience. And, and if, I mean, we're bringing it up and we're talking about it, but if you didn't say anything, right. I mean, I, I don't know how many people that actually show up at the golf course on a daily basis would even know the difference. Yeah. They would, would I mean, if you came out today, Cal, you'd notice a difference. Okay. Um, you know, but, um, if you played, the week that you guys came down the last week of October, yeah. if you played that over 10 years, you'd also notice 
how, you know, that not overseeding heritage, probably the playability was probably a little bit better than all the courses that overseeded. Yeah, so, sure. Just because they're trying to get the grass established, they're watering it more, they're doing this. Some courses will be car path only, some won't. Um, but, you know, today you would notice um, because we've had some frost and the fairways have kind of gone off color a little bit. And, you know, right now is not a really busy time. So, that's just kind of happening. You know, we paint, even though we don't oversee, we paint the fairways. All right. So in February, March, you know, we're painting them to make them look green, even though they're not. So, and that costs, honestly, that costs just as much as the seed. Hmm. So there really is no short term savings on um, not overseeding or seeding. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, you'd notice now just because we're not painting right now. We might start here in a little bit, um, but we don't tend to get a ton of play between now and Martin Luther King Day. You know, it's definitely a slower period. For well, sure. it's probably probably all members, and the members are playing it because they like the track and the layout. And it, I mean, it, the playability yeah, the playability is not impacted. So it's locals. Yeah. Okay, um, this week we're busier because this is like the last busy week because the rates drop after. Um, Thanksgiving. Okay. And anytime the rates go from a higher level to a lower level, we get a spike up in play. Mm-hmm. Right? You're sure. sitting at home, you're like, look, and I can pay, you know, a hundred dollars a player this week, or I can wait one more week and pay 65. So, right. it's, you yeah. know, people make that decision based on the price. So we're a little busy this week, but after this week, it really dies off big time. So, yeah. as you get into gotcha. the holiday season, What's right? It? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Any, uh, what's, so what's your favorite holes at heritage? <sighs> Number two. Um, I do like two, three, and four. Um, that starts to uh, get us back on the river, right? There's like the little yeah. cemetery thing at, on, the, yep. on the turn. Yeah. Yep. And then, um, I like, uh, 17, 18, like you mentioned earlier. Um, yeah. I like 11, but uh, those would probably be my favorites. Yeah. Is there a hole you haven't uh, quite mastered yet? <laughs> this is golf, Cal. Come on. I haven't mastered nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but is, is, there, is there a hole out there that with like every time you pull up, it's like, okay, this is going to be the time and it just it gets you? Not really. I don't play yeah, heritage okay. a ton either, you know. Um, I don't enjoy playing there as much as I enjoy playing other places. And it doesn't have anything to do with the golf course. It's just more, um, that, uh, you know, it's a lot of different, I guess it's a lot of different things. It's, um, obviously I'm working there. I'm there Mm -hmm. all the time. Um, I don't too. I also, um, you know, like the stars kind of have to align just right for me to be excited about playing there. <laughs> it's, right. it's, well, you see it, you see it every day, right? So it's, just it's kind not of even a, that yeah. it's more the experience, you know, it's busy. Um, yeah. if a round of golf extends much longer than an hour, than four hours and 15 minutes for me, that's too long. You know, ideally I like yeah, to me too. four hours and, you know, heritage is busy. You know, where our rounds tend to be more in the four and a half to four forty-five range. And, um, and yeah, it's, um, it's harder to concentrate and be focused on playing when you're there. Cause you're thinking about a lot of different things. Doesn't have it's any- like, Oh, I remember I need to do that or make a note. I need to right. get on this thing over here. Right. And it's more, um, yeah. I play a lot of what I would call like partial rounds at uh, heritage and, um, yeah. you know, I, um, practice there on the range. Mm-hmm. I chip and putt a lot out there when I'm working, you know, I've got several wedges, a putter, and I've got clubs in my golf cart at all time. And I'm just, you know, might throw some balls down here and just chip and putt and, um, do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, sure. but, and, you know, it's always when I'm out there, you know, invariably somebody's going to come up and want to talk to me about this or about that. And it's just harder to, um, enjoy golf as a pastime mm-hmm. as yeah. is something for recreation and enjoyment there. I could see that. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't have anything to do with the course or, 
or anything like that. But I guess the, where I was going with the whole chipping and putting thing, I really get a feel for how it quote unquote plays from, from doing that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Or I'll go play three or four holes with somebody, you know, won't even get a golf cart. I'll just throw my clubs on my, you know, my maintenance golf cart or walk a few holes or, you know, something like that. That's fun. So. The, lu- the luxury of the golf course being your office. <laughs> yeah, it has its perks. You don't, uh, and that's one of the things about it that, uh, that I love. So I love talking to golfers just in general, you know, picking their brains or I love caddying for people out there. But what I mean by that is just talking to the golfers on a tee or if they're wondering what, you know, how do you play this hole or what do you do? Giving them advice. I, I love doing that. Mm-hmm. That's fun. I just love golf and I can, you know, it's easy to talk about, um, for me, you know, I'll look in somebody's bag and want to see what kind of clubs they're playing with. And they might have something old or something cool or, you know, or ask them about this or that, just whatever, shoot the breeze about golf. It's easy. Yeah. What, what are you playing these days? I'm playing, I've got a Callaway Epic driver. I've got a tailor-made M6 three wood tailor-made rescue hybrid that i found on the golf course years ago it's got all kinds of chip paint on it and everything but man i hit that thing good i don't even know what year it is or what model i don't even know it's a it just works 20 degree um i've got callaway apex irons the cavity back ones i think they're the 16 models um callaway wedges and um putting with a odyssey number five i think it is right now hmm. got about four or five putters that um that i rotate in now in and out you know depending on how they're well, well, they, well, it's, it's, it's definitely the putter yeah. it's, it's always the putter just, right. just change it it'll, it'll fix things but i i collect golf clubs oh do you oh so, yeah what yep. do you got uh what's what's uh do you have a prize in your collect i collect yeah, I see that. I, I collect bourbon, so I see that. <laughs> or I, I collect whiskey, I, I'll say. But uh, so, do you have any uh, any gems that you're uh, like super excited about? It's like, man, I can't. You know, when you you found the one, or have you got multiples? No, not really. Um, actually, one of the things I'm most proud of is a couple months ago I found a there was a golf course in out in the country here, about 50 miles away, that was going out of business, and they had a. Um, like a club holding rack, you know, for displaying golf clubs, oh, yeah, sure. like a pro shop, you know, it's made out of wood yeah. and you know, you can, I don't know how many golf clubs you can store. And then I got it about half full, but I got it out in my garage now. So I've got all my clubs out there all displayed. I can walk out there anytime and look at them. And, um, so you're organized now. Yeah. And it, <laughs> yeah. And there's nothing of really of any great value, like money wise or anything like really cool. But, um, a lot of sentimental value. I won't lie. Um, I've got my, my late father, I've got his irons and he, all his old clubs. Um, he had a couple sets and one set that he kept down here. I recently lost this year in 2020, a very, very, very good friend of mine and longtime coworker, um, unexpectedly. Um, I've got all his, I've got his set of golf clubs out there. Um, I've got my, all my old irons that I've had, um, all right. my woods and a lot of the golf clubs that I've found on the golf course. I mean, I've probably got 80 wedges out there, fellas. Wow. you name it. I've got, <laughs> oh, yeah. but, you, know, you, you would be shocked at a golf course like heritage. How many clubs get left? You know, you leave them up in there in the pro shop for a month or so. Nobody claims them. Yeah. I take them. So, I mean, I'd, um, I've got a ton of wedges and got some older golf clubs too, from, 80s and 90s some stuff that i used to play and some stuff that i found but do you ever pull any of those things out and hit them now just to yeah. just to screw around with them absolutely yeah. i've got some persimmon out there uh, <laughs> okay i got i inherited some persimmon woods from uh, a friend of mine that passed away i've got those out there i love hitting those you know i've got some old tailor-made um um pittsburgh persimmon metal woods you know wow. some of the old nice. original metal woods that came out in the mid 80s and yeah old irons yeah a lot of times i just like to get them out in the driveway you know while i'm having a few beers or just hanging out and just take a few swings just put your hands on the grip Mm -hmm. you know just 
And uh, yeah, they, it's like you know, night and day. If they if they if they have it, if they're original, man, it's like uh, if you haven't picked something up that's uh, got some age on it, you kind of scratch yeah. your head and go, "How in the hell were those people scoring like that with these things?" <laughs> right. Well, that and even my old clubs, you know, it's like an old friend. You just you know, memory lane. So, um, I do enjoy that for sure. Very cool. So, so is the uh, golf? Uh, what are we looking like for? Um, well, we'll almost be through December uh, before you know it, and then we're in 2021. What's uh, nobody's holding you to this, especially me? But what, what's uh, what's the forecast for golf in 21? Just in general, yeah, I think upward. I do. I'm optimistic about that. Um, I do think the game is growing. I do think some things that have happened in our world have probably helped that a little bit, but um, I think they are sustainable. I think they will move forward. So um, I'm hopeful that it's going to continue to grow. You know, it's important to me that it does for personal reasons, but also um, I just love the game and want to see it grow. And it's, um, has a lot of value in my mind and teaches a lot of good, uh, good lessons in life that are sometimes hard to learn, but, um, it does teach them. Yeah, sure. I think you're seeing a ton of that in terms of just the growth and just coming from areas maybe you wouldn't have thought of, you know, years ago with, uh, you know, look at the match, right? You got Barkley out there and, uh, Steph Curry, uh, all these quarterbacks are playing, you know, Manning and, and, uh, Brady. Um, and we were talking with John Tattersall, Cal, about the amount of NBA players that are trying to pick up golf. And I like that, that go back into the eighties. I don't, I don't think that a lot of those guys were playing it like well known back there, but you know what Jordan's doing for the game. I think you just you're seeing Jordan's logo all over the golf course now. You know, you never used to see that, and uh, I just think it's think it's I think it is growing quite a bit. You know, you're, like you talked about with the, the women's stuff, LPGA Tour, it's really picking up steam. And you know, Tiger was he was the 2000s, and they were like, oh, how do we replace Tiger in terms of when he gets you know getting towards retirement? And I think that you know the young players now, as much as they're they are unrelatable in terms of their game, we can't we can't do what they do out there, but they are superstars for sure. Oh yeah game doesn't lack for for that at all and um you know i'm i'm wired in on the pga tour too yeah. you know it's um it's still entertaining and um and yeah let's just hope for the best and i think just do what we've always done and everything should take care of itself absolutely fairways and greens baby fairways and greens <laughs> jim what do you got for uh diamond in the rough and that uh in your area there for like you know uh wine and dine or not 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 like upscale but you know more like uh local kinds of places that would all be off the beaten path that we should check out next time we come into town that kind of thing restaurant wise yeah, yeah. um man i would definitely go with biscuit that's a place Ooh. that i always recommend going to it's kind of it's in what we call the hammock shops which is a little quaint little shopping center with different shops and everything. Um, not a strip mall or anything like that. It's a bunch of old, cool okay. Polly's Island buildings. And it's, uh, basically a burger joint, but it's kind of like a new take on a burger joint. They also have breakfast, which is killer and um, a lot of great drink specials, good beers on tap and just a really cool vibe. Okay. Um, that's a great spot to go to. Um, big fan of rustic table and bistro 217 okay which are two um sister restaurants that are right next to each other hmm. um very good um landolfi's is another spot that we like to go it's kind of a pizzeria slash italian deli type hmm. place with tons of pastries and um <laughs> cakes and that kind of stuff too if you're into that but enjoy going there um we got a lot of great restaurants in Pauly's Island. Oh, you know, cool. this is really a great golf destination, but first and foremost, it is a beach town and Damn. a popular beach town. Um, I would say it's, um, it's a lot different than Myrtle beach. Um, the type of, of people that vacation down in, in Pauly's are tend to be a little bit more wealthy, I would say, than in Myrtle Beach. Mm -hmm. um, and um, the restaurants and the amount of nightlife kind of reflect that. 
you know, so. Um, well, you're not going to find a lot of Applebee's and Chili's and Fridays in Polly's Island. So no. it's, it's more the, you know, you're getting kind of that. I don't know if personal is the right way to put it. Probably not the, uh, it, it's more the, uh, it's the local flair, Dan, I think yeah, kind of what you local, you know, it's more independent restaurants and yeah. more, um, yeah, it's, it doesn't really, we don't really have many chain restaurants. We know we have fast food restaurants and yeah. stuff. But, um, yeah. it's, um, it's got a cool vibe. I mean, it's really the, they say it's the oldest seaside resort in America. You know, people have been coming here since the yeah. 1700s to vacation. And um, oh, cool. the same things that drew them then draws people in today. It's just a good climate, you know, lots to do, you know, cool places to eat, just entertainment, anything you want to do. Very cool. Especially if you like the outdoor stuff, you know, so um that's what we really specialize in so golf in the morning beach in the afternoon and drinking all day man what, what more can you, ask for? you know that's that's a big part of our business at heritage it kind yeah. of ties back into what we were saying earlier about the not overseeding that's kind of one of the reasons why we went away from overseeding is because instead of being at our worst in you know february and a little bit into march like we are now it was always in late may june and july and we get a ton of play then we mm. get a ton of people that come down to Polly's island they rent the same beach house the same week every summer and a lot of these people um are golfers and they want to come play two or three rounds of golf during their week that they're down here they're going to come out in the morning play golf and then they're going to be out with the family on the beach in the afternoon it's um it's an important part of our of our business plan too and to cater to those people because uh um there's a lot of them mm -hmm. very cool yep yeah. Well, it was my first time playing there. Uh, if it's if I have anything to do with it, it won't be my last. Hopefully, I didn't get any uh, bad uh, bad marks while I was there. So I, I saw that little clip of that episode with Salty when you said that uh, something about if Jim will let us come back. But you, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. You we, we really appreciate it for sure, man. Uh, so, uh, Jim, you want to share anything? Uh, we don't want to keep you all night. You probably got uh, got some grilling or something to do. I do. Um, you're right. I've got right? four tenderloin tonight See, you, nice. I, I like it already and too bad it's like five and a half hours away um so you want to share anything about where people could find you where they could find maybe the carolina superintendent association or any yeah. of that stuff yeah sure so um the carolinas you know i showed you the the koozie it's the pulling weeds podcast and you know we're obviously on twitter and pretty easy to find an instagram and all that stuff and you know me personally cal i'm i'm on twitter um but obviously as you saw and you mentioned earlier i'm i'm into the instagram stories um that's what you're working, working on your next career as a plumber that or <laughs> whatever i like to think of it more as a cinematographer cal but <laughs> oh well <laughs> well i mean haven't you seen the uh the cameras that go in the drains and you oh, can say I mean, i'm just saying there, there's yeah. different ways we could look at this <laughs> I, I, I see it, except when I have to bring one of those out of the golf course, it means something bad happens. Oh, it's okay. a lot of fun. <laughs> That's a good point. But um, my uh, handle is at Huntoon JMSC. Um, my last name, and then J is in Jim, M is in Molly, and SC is in South Carolina. Cool. So that's where I'm at. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. We've had a great time chatting with you, my friend. Absolutely. I hope that yep. uh, hope that pork tenderloin comes out great, and uh, it yeah, will. It, it will exactly. And we're looking uh, looking forward to getting back. Uh, hopefully, Dan will come with me this time. So you know, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, that'll be great. Where Where are you at, Dan? I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. North Carolina. Okay. Raleigh. Yeah. Nice Raleigh proper or yeah. suburbs? Yeah, or? I grew up in the suburb. I grew up in Fuquay, um, but I live in Raleigh now. In proper. Yep. I worked at um, Twelve Oaks in Holly Springs for a little while. Oh, did you? Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of a concurrent thing when I was at Heritage, but um, it was kind of just helped between the transition between superintendents um, there for a while. So I know that area a little bit. Spent some good time up there. Cool. That's yeah. right next to Fuquay. Isn't yeah, it? it is. Yeah, I haven't played over there. I, mean, I grew up in there, but I haven't been back to Fuquay proper right. for a while. But yeah, it's right there. It's supposed to be a beautiful, beautiful little track, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. 
difficult, but um, yeah, it's a good track. Oh, that fits right into Dan's game. He, the, the harder, the better. <laughs> Well, it just means he has to bring more balls. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, well, man. I appreciate y'all having me on. Yeah, no, thank no, you for so sure. Much. Yeah, thanks. Uh, great time chatting with you, Jim. Uh, if you're heading to the Myrtle Beach or Polly's Island area, be sure to stop by the Heritage Club and say hi to Jim. Cheers. Cheers. Yep, thanks, fellas.